Hey everybody, welcome back to Visual Novel Book Club. I'm your pal Slow Beef with me, of course, my good friend Oren Ronan. Good evening. My good friend Jim. Hey everybody. My good friend Rosella. Hello. And unfortunately, again, that's it. Yeah. We've uh, cut some of the dead weight from this pot. No, I'm <laughs> um, uh, pull is under the weather again. Turbo is out. So uh, before we begin, um, today, as we record this, is the 20th anniversary of Face Attorney. Um, so yay. Oh. Well, it is for me, for you guys, it's a, it's a couple of hours away still, but <laughs> since we're talking about the 20th anniversary of the GBA Japanese release of Face 21, then I count and you don't. No, that's fair. <laughs> I think it's called Gaikakuten gai, gai Saibon. <laughs> uh, something like something. that, yes. <laughs> something like that. Um, look, what this is a long one, so I think we should probably get, get going on it. As uh, So... We're halfway through trial five, you know, um, what, what the heck happened here? Um, we're, we're in recess officially, right? I think while we wait for the music box to be retrieved, do I have that right? No, we're waiting for the, the, the summoning, um, well, Egbert Benedict, as we know him at yes. this point. Right, that's yeah. right, that's right, yeah. And, um, you know, uh... Gina's like we're kind of like this is going well and Gina's like nah you know there's a picture of me holding the gun this is pretty damning I don't think this is gonna go well for me still so we do convince you to tell us what really happened which is I feel like a first in in Ace Attorney like us actually saying hey this evidence is is kind of damning can you like explain it and then our client actually does (laughs) yeah (laughs) right (laughs) this never happens (laughs) so um she's um yeah she Snuck in, she got caught. She snuck in to like find out if it's true about like home selling the story, I guess, from without Iris knowing. Um, she snuck in, she got caught, she grabbed the, cu- the gun, um, went into the st- and then they go into the storeroom, her and Windebank. The Skulkin brothers arrive, two shots go off. Yeah. She, l- she didn't actually intend to use the gun, she was just surprised and grabbed it. And but then Windebank actually counted down and mm-hmm. and when she told him she just wanted to see if the manuscript is there, then she actually, like, lets her in. Right. Yeah. But then she feels dizzy and she doesn't remember anything. But she also says she saw Benedict there. No, she, she, she doesn't. She she was in the storeroom. Um, they heard a noise from outside. Windy Bank went to see what it is with his gun. And then she heard two gunshots. And uh, Windy Bank... Windy Bank, yeah, he just falls down right in front of her. I have in my notes that she said she saw. Then she gets dizzy. Yeah, she, she locks the door like we um, right. uh, thought she did. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. takes the gun, and, but gets dizzy and faints. So, um, she's still surprised. We still believe in her, and she's surprised. But we tell her about case uh, the first case of the game, how we were actually accused of a crime we didn't commit. And Kazuma believed in us. And maybe that's, you know, what you got to do when you're a good lawyer, etc., etc., um, so basically the trial, uh, starts again and the judge decides he can't accept Sherlock Holmes's Sherlock Holmes's blood coloring invention as evidence, you know, since it's not, of course, like accepted science because you didn't show anybody to it or anything like that, you know, it, it hasn't been peer reviewed. It's just not appropriate. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. I, which I guess to be fair, right? Yeah. I mean, like Van Zeke's pointed out in the last, uh, in the the previous episode, uh, that yeah, you can't. Maybe there is another person with green blood out there. Like you don't, you can't justify that. Like you don't, you don't have like <laughs> yeah. this whole case study of like all these different th- the testings of of people's blood. What if it totally didn't work? Like it's complete bunkum and it's just random, but it just happened to kind of work out in this case, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, at any rate, um. Benedict arrives, but he's here and he, he um, identifies himself as Ashley Graydon, which was, I, which is, again, I think we discussed this. It's kind of like I, once he said that, I'm like, that's an alias. And then it's like, oh, no, wait. Right. Ace Attorney. You know, yeah, this is not an alias. This is actually his name. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. We'll find that. Yeah. So um, and what I really enjoyed is he, he has this big top hat and he arrives and he like flings it in our direction. And they've done this kind of like physical bit you know, gag in Phoenix Wright games, but I really like in this one because, like, Naruto was just holding this big hat. Like, what Like, what do I do with this, you know? <laughs> um, which is pretty great. Uh, let's see here. Um, sorry, like, I looked away, and now I'm, like, looking through my notes again. Uh, so, Benedict there. Oh, yeah. So, um, during testimony, Skulkin uh, is gets worried a bit that like Graydon's arm is going to hurt because right now it's that thing where like we're this we're we're interviewing this we're testifying or yeah we're cross-examining the Skulkin brothers and Graydon and I think uh Gregson still at yeah. this point too right yeah so like Greg, Gregson, Gregson is always there to try this trial he's never not yeah. to understand yeah right I think the, the, the first thing that happened is that uh Graydon refuses to admit that we actually met him before right but we, of course, know that, yeah, he was at the shop. And yeah. Gregson doesn't help at all because he was also there. That's right. And, he, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't like, he just says he doesn't have anything to do with the uh, pawnbroker at all. And then, like, Gregson, yeah, that's right, because Gregson does, like, the hold on a second here thing, and you can pursue him. Um, and we can kind of prove it with the, let's see, um... The disc and the disc, right? And we say like it's just like there's a blood stain here, and we can't use the coloring to prove it's his, but we can say like, well, I want to examine your thumb and see if like you hurt yourself on like this disc because it's got all these sharp little bumps on it for music, presumably music box reasons. Yeah, because like we asked him to, uh, we asked him to examine his arm because it's like, hey, uh, you you got shot, right? He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I have no intention of, of telling you, and or or you know, consenting mm-hmm. to a search. And it's like, well, okay, we we can't really prove it, but like, we can examine your thumb, right? Like, that's that's a lot less, uh, yeah, you know, invasive. Mm-hmm. So we get new testimony about the disc, uh, and we also. What is this like? Um, we also get to give it to Van Zeeks. I like where he we get to do, tell him like, "Sorry, my learned friend," but which I was very happy about. <laughs> um, so we get our little dig at him, which I'm um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. We did like we show that he did have reason to return to the pawnbroker at the second ticket, but Zeeks can prove that no box was taken. Actually, um, it's in one. Of, it's in the two, one of the two photos of the shelves. Two of the photos of the shelves actually. So. Uh, what happens is you have to do the thing where you cross your eyes and again that you know they don't actually have you you don't have to do it in 
on PlayStation 5 or 4, right, really. But I'm going to say that they do it like they um, they give you the, the two pictures. And I did cross my eyes and I was able to see yep, me too. what they were having before the game explicitly tells you. And then they... The game is nice. It asks you if you could like figure it out on your own, but if you didn't, then you can use the stereoscope, which mm-hmm. on the 3DS meant that they showed you into they showed you the picture in 3D, and on the new mm-hmm. consoles it just highlights the like the floating object. Yeah. So good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I could also just see it, and I chose not to use the stereoscope, and I just pointed out the the box. Right. So yeah, the box was moved. Um, we can see on the shelves in the lower right, which is like, uh, let's see here. The box moves and that, ch- and we can, you have to say like, does this change anything? It's like, that changes everything. And Zeke says, no, it doesn't. You know, nothing here worth stealing. Um, and, you know, we have to wait. You know, unfortunately the box is, they've sent out for the box and it's going to arrive. And we're worried about when it does, it's going to like somehow still implicate Gina. So we've decided to get her on the stand now to try to learn something, you know? Yeah. And Van Zeke's very much, like, presses, uh, you know, presses on this, like, he he knows that Gina lied, and he knows that we know that Gina lied. And he's mm-hmm. like, are you, are, you're, you're really sure that you, you want to have her testify, despite the effects that this is going to have on her credibility and your credibility, and just, like, really, yeah. that's, that's what you think is a good idea? And we're like, absolutely. This is what we're doing. He's like, all right. <laughs> I said I'm going all in. You know, like, um, so, yep. Yeah. And, like, I like the fact that this game doesn't, like, throw away the fact that she perjured herself and a guilty man went free. Uh, like, yep. it's a very big deal. And it, the game highlights it on multiple occasions. Though, we're, we're still letting the, the other thugs off pretty easy for, for perjuring themselves repeatedly after insisting that they weren't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe it's maybe perjury if the right person is caught eventually is like fine. <laughs> right. It, it all comes out in the wash. It's, it's not perjury if you correct yourself during the same trial, I guess, <laughs> in this universe. Right. You get a chance to unperjure. If, yeah, if you get like yeah. a fifth chance, like, no, this time you really <laughs> got to tell the truth. <laughs> um. <laughs> So we asked Gina to tell Court like what really happened that night, and she does, and that she yeah, it takes a little convincing, but then she actually seems to trust us this time. Yeah, that we know what it, what we're doing. Right. Um. So basically, she tells everybody what really happened, like the deal that McGill did gave her. You know, like that was like she's gonna, you know, I'll give you. It was like ten guineas now, and then you know, go to the pawnbroker later, all that fun stuff. But like while this is happening. You can you can see like just you know we're looking at Gina and you can see on the right side of the screen uh like Graydon has his his back to us and it's like oh yeah what like what are you doing my dude like you, you are so so disrespectful to our client you're not even going to like watch her give testimony um mm-hmm. but you can you can actually move over even though like it doesn't have the exclamation point like Ah, like so someone said something like you can you can pursue it you can you can still like tab over to see that like Graydon and Gregson are are both fa- like facing away and like whispering to each other it's like what the, the what what are y'all doing this was kind of surprising to me you know like I I wasn't really sure where they were going with this the game mm-hmm. that is you know mm-hmm. so um and you have to do this right yeah it's necessary yeah. and like you, you press the rest of her term testimony and basically like what's happening is like the court is outraged that 
um, you know, Gina helped the Gilded get away, when she, uh, get away with the murder when she knew something, and they think we're in on it, like the lawyer, you know. Yeah. Yeah. In, in order to proceed here, you have to press everything, and then you also have to pursue the um, like great, great, um, Graydon and Gregson, even though the game doesn't prompt you to do it. Yep. You just you just yell their names very loudly, and they're like, "What? We weren't doing anything." Yeah, it looks like they're. Neg- I thought they were negotiating or something. Or does the game say that? I think it does. Yeah, it says you you well, like, you figure out that they're negotiating something, and then you like you basically have to interrupt that negotiation to get the to keep to move on because you have to stop them from finalizing their negotiation. Right. Well, I think they did finalize the negotiations. I think. Yeah, they did have, anyway. But yeah. You have to do it just so the game knows that you've noticed that. Yeah, because it'll, it'll be a thing. This is also when Gina tries to introduce her catchphrase of thinking ain't no crime. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why. She just decided she needed a catchphrase, maybe to make herself more, uh, you know, more likable to the jury. So, but then the box has arrived and we are on to part four of the trial. Um, and what happens then? Well, you know, um... Inside, there's machinery, and I write in parentheses, music box, come on, you know, because <laughs> music box. Yeah, right. Because it's one of those things where they, they dance around it like, what could this be? You know, this little box that these discs are certainly associated with. So I think Iris mentions like, yeah, it looks like a music box or somehow we do figure it. And we're like, well, let's play the disc on it. And Gregson's Gregson's like, oh, hold on a sec. We're we're not doing that. We're not playing that. And Van Zeeks is like, we are doing that, and we are playing that, and you know, they're uh, Gregson's really nervous about this for some reason. Um, what do you call it? But uh, we play it, uh, and it's like I wrote, it's very clearly Morse code, but no one and no one realizes, although I'm technically wrong, because it's like just playing like beep beep beep, whatever, you yeah. know. Um, but at any rate everyone's like you know what's going on here so Graydon starts laughing and he's like this, this thing's broken <laughs> um, we get the choice and we say is this relevant you know and we say of course this is relevant that's we being of course Narahodo I mean um, and Zeke's is like alright I want you to elaborate on that and we say well it's not supposed to be music which Graydon then stops laughing yeah I, 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 Iris lets it know that she looked at it and it's not actually broken it has like a comb that that like only plays one tone yeah, like all the teeth are the same length, so no matter which one gets plucked, it's always going to be the same pitch. So now, but then finally, the judge and Van Zeeks demand to know what this is, and we can tell them with evidence, which is the newspaper story. And uh, Juror Five confirms that this might be government secrets in Morse code, which would make this high treason punishable by death. Holy shit! And um, cap, yeah. Yeah, so Grayson denies this, of course, and then Zeke's goes, well, then by all means, counter the charges, sir, um, and demands testimony, and Graydon very calmly agrees. He goes, yeah, okay, well, I'll testify about it. You got it. So cool as a, cool as a cucumber, this guy. Um, but wait, then Nash and Ringo come back, and they say, hang on, we want to testify, too. Like, we're thieves, but we're, you know, we're not traitors, you know? this was We had no idea this was part of it. And they they confess, like, look, he told us to break in. And Grayson's like, no, I absolutely not. You know, so the music box is entered into evidence. And then if you examine it in the court record, which I'm sure we all did, there's a button on the other side that you can press. You can push it. And there's like another side to it. You know what I mean? Like more machinery on the other side that you can open up so you could play like two discs, theoretically. 
again, the game's not telling you this there, but yet, but... Yeah, before we do that, we also... Um, Graydon tries to claim that he didn't have access to this kind of information. Uh, but then Joe number five keeps, like, because she works with him. Uh, mm-hmm. She, like, he, he keeps saying that, no, I, I couldn't have done it. And uh, she says, yes, yes, you could. <laughs> you did have access. It's like... He's the most highest ranking person at the entire company, and he has he has access to all these important meetings with these important people. <sighs> yeah, and she's like even you know, the best code breakers she knows, and like it's like she just keeps giving him like undermining his testimony over and over again. Oh yeah, because like he he claims like well obviously if it were you know uh, if it were military or important communications it would be encoded so I could never understand it and yeah just like oh he he's the the best code breaker in the entire company and he's so he's so wonderful <laughs> like her her eyes are sparkling as she's talking about him so uh, now in testimony one of the things we discover is also that apparently um, the skull the Skulkins and Graydon go way back. Um, and if we press on that further and talk about the old business they had set up, which I kind of I don't I didn't write down the notes of, of that, but it was Milverton and Skulkin's Milk Run was the name yeah. of, of the business. Right. It was like surprisingly legitimate, I think, is what we say. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, what, what's the scheme? It's like we deliver fresh milk to, to people who live in our area. <laughs> like, oh, so, OK. But, yeah, the, their definition of scheme is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes the money, I guess. If, if that's your definition of a scheme, it, it, it passes that. Sure. Yeah, I like the, the the business name in Japanese. I thought was funny because it translates something like like Milverton and um, what's the name in English? Uh, Skulkin. Skulkin. Yeah. Yeah, Milverton Skulkin's uh, Dairy Industries, <laughs> <laughs> which is a much more pretentious name than Milkran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. So. But one of the things is that then we, we discover, like, well, why is it Milberton? And because that was Graydon's name. And um, apparently that was his, like, original given name. And But he goes by Ashley Graydon. It was, it was his dad's name, but the parents divorced and uh, he took his mother's name after that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, he denies it at first, but Zeke's is like, you know, actually, as a as a telegraph operator, you gave you had to give a lot of information that we had to verify. So we can check really quick. So it's like, fine, fine, fine. My name's Milverton. So what? And we noticed that in the old case notes, actually, the name Milverton shows up because it's thrice fired Mason's last name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he was claiming uh, great and great. Graydon, yeah, uh, was claiming to have absolutely no connection to McGilded, no connection to the disc, no connection to anything. So it's like, the, you, you can't possibly pin this on me because I, I don't even know the victim in that case. And it's like, you will share a last name. Yeah, it's like, that's your dad. That That's your dad. Um, so what next? Um, so basically, yeah, he's like, OK, well fine but prove the following no um but uh so we accuse him of working with his father mason to sell government secrets to mcgilded encoded in morse code on two separate discs also his he starts bleeding through his sleeve which i don't know if we point that out just yet but uh it is happening right because i think that the one um the one skulkin had had that's why he he had sort of mentioned it before like hey if you keep making all these dramatic gestures you're gonna bleed and he does like at some point it starts bleeding through his coat which now has proven the fact that he was shot and he still keeps making these dramatic poses, though. It, yeah. yeah. You can't stop style. No, you cannot. 
Um, we accuse him of shooting Windebank, and he had, but he, had, but then he admits, okay, he was there and he witnessed all of it. Um, but then he testifies and he mentions that there's blood that splattered all over the coat. Yeah. So now, now what Tim, what he is uh, testifying is that he actually saw the murder happen, um, mm-hmm. and that he also didn't have his own gun, but well, uh, he managed to pick up the the shooting gun afterwards. I think his claim is that um, is that Gina had her own gun, and that explains yeah. the the existence of the third gun. Yeah, and yeah, his testimony is basically just like it's like no, uh, I did get shot. That happened, and then uh, he went into the back room, and I I watched uh, through the through the peephole in the door. I watched Gina shoot him in the back, and then she threw the gun out through the front door. And then I took that gun and left because, you know, free gun. Yeah, <laughs> hey, free gun, exactly. <laughs> and, and I also saw, like, blood splatter all over a black coat. And if you go, if you go and check that coat, you'll find it. Right, and that'll, yeah. be, that'll be proof positive that my testimony is correct is because G- Gina's black coat is going to have blood splatter all over it. Which sucks for us because actually we know that that's true. That there is blood spatter all over her coat because we did it. And even worse for us is Van Zeke's mentions. We have there, by the way, there's a German technique we have to identify blood. And by the way, people know about this one. It's not just Sherlock Holmes's brand of like blood identification. So we can find that out. Well, this this, this is just supposed to let you know if something is blood or not, not like change its color right, right. and figure out whose blood, blood is it. Yeah, yeah. This is like laminol or luminol, basically. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know if we specified, but when he saw the crime occur, this was through the peephole in the door, which is key. Is is going to come up later? <gasps> yes, yes, that's right. He saw it through the peephole in the door. For the record, he doesn't ever say the word luminol, um, but apparently luminol was first synthesized in Germany in 1902, so that is roughly like correct. We, oh wow! Um, but the funny thing is, they didn't name it luminol until 1934, so that's. I guess that's why he doesn't say it. He's like, yeah, no, there's some German compound that can identify whether or not something is blood, which is, you know, roughly where they were as far as technology at the time. Well, it's German, so it's probably got like a hundred syllables or something. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe he was just afraid to say it like in court because then he was just going to look like a doofus. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I would even make a joke right now on what that could be like. There's loss and leg and then I would sound really ridiculous and I don't want to do that. So um, uh, let's see here. So, Windebank, uh, yeah, we got that. We pressed him on. Oh, yeah. Um, if he says Windebank ran in, saw her shoot him, and then threw the gu- she threw the gun out of the room. We're like, why would she throw the gun out of the room? He's like, hell if I know, but she did. Also, why would you pick it up and leave with it? He's like, I, that is, I, it's what I did. Yeah. And you know, yeah, that's right. Free gun. Exactly. So, but you know what's uh, interesting is, again, we see Gregson, and this time he's, like, kind of fighting with, um, um, one of the Skulkins, you know, he's like kind of shaking him, like, what the hell? So we're like, what? What the hell? And then um, Nash is like, well, we didn't know anything about a third gun. And Gregson's like, you never mentioned that when I was questioning you, yeah. you know. Um, And we're pressing at everything. But all of a sudden, the bailiff shows up and he's got the analysis results. And there's blood on the coat. And we say, no, 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 but this is McGilded's blood. And Van Zeeks is like, uh-huh, so let me get this straight. You defended McGilden back then, who said he was innocent, and now that he's dead, you're saying, oh, no, he really did it. You, you piece of crap lawyer, you know? I mean, he doesn't say that. You, you craven, 
You craven coward. Like What a jerk. Um, so the jury again goes to like, okay, well, obviously Gina's guilty. So, but then all of a sudden the bailiff seems to know us, and I wrote, "Is it?" I think that the jury, the jury actually like sets a guilty uh, guilty verdict this time, right? Yeah, they're like, we, we don't need to hear the rest of this cross examination. Uh, like, let's just like we're ready to to give our verdict. So, who do you think? Who did you think it was when the bailiff knew us? Oh, yeah, I assumed it was Herlock Sholmes. Oh, I was it was totally Sholmes. Oh, yeah, I was just waiting for the dramatic reveal. You know what? I I, I had in my notes, like, Hosanaga. Oh, I my God. I actually was like, they're doing a deep cut, and it's going to be Hosanaga here helping us out oh. out of nowhere. But it, it is Sholmes. Um, I hope Hosanaga's doing well. I do, too. Um, we haven't heard from him since... Oh, we, we just see him at the end. Oh, well... Do, during the credits. Yeah, <laughs> But uh, so it's Jones. He wants five minutes, and Gregson wants to wrap. Gregson's like, "No, like let's we'll wrap this up." And Van Zeeks kind of does this thing, like five more minutes, and and you know he, he's like, "Yeah, see, I bet this guy will be with me." He's like, "No," nah. he goes, "We've spent this long. It's it, it would be boorish to end it five minutes early." Churlish is the word he used, which I which I like. Churlish. Yeah. He says, oh, I didn't, "Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm down with churlish." So, um, what do you call it? Anyway, Sholmes has a parting gift from Suzado, which is the cat flapomatic, which, as we remember, is Iris's invention that can make count cat doors kind of instantly. But while while he's doing this, he's like, "By the way, I, I asked for five minutes. I'm probably about to pass out like any second. I'm not sure I'll make five minutes, so I'm gonna be quick." Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Suzado gave this to me and said, "Hey, if if things are in trouble, I need to give this to you." Yeah. I did just have surgery last night, and I'm not well, but I came here anyway. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm going to pass out any second. And I dressed up like a bailiff, <laughs> yeah, and delivered bad news. I probably could have skipped that part, whatever. Um, so, uh, the the yeah, so the good news there, well, the sort of good news there is like, well, okay, no, there's no good news, because the, the judge is like, look, you know, Luckily for you, you were actually in the middle of cross-examination, you know, like before every like when this happens. So we're going to like, look, I'm going to give you one piece of testimony and one piece of evidence to present, you know. So and that's it. OK, the other thing that that Shulm says is that Suzada said that she used it that night. That's right. Like not only like here it is and, and she she used it, which is like. You know, kind of bad because it's tampering with the crime scene and it's sort of like we did it since she's our assistant, but not in this case. So it's okay. Right. Yeah. I don't, I, I have like issues with how they frame it as tampering with the crime scene, but let's talk about it later. Well, because, oh yeah, I guess, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um. So anyway, do we get new music when this is happening now? When we get our final, like, this is it. I have like one shot at this kind of thing. Because um, it feels like I haven't heard it before. Also, um, Sholmes actually do, does like faint at this point. Oh yeah, he does collapse. Yeah, yeah. And, and in a very dramatic way. <laughs> yes, um, which is kind of appropriate for him. Uh, let's yeah. see here. So, um, what happens next is, of course, uh, Graydon's statement is that he saw through the pee the peephole. He saw this through the peephole, and we present we present the cat Flapomat because. There was no people at the time of the shooting. Suzato created it, um, meaning that which um, 
Graydon's like, that is absolutely preposterous that somebody could just instantly make a peephole. What are you even talking about? And Iris is like, no, I can. I made it. I can prove it. I just made a cat flap a matic door right now. And Wagahai just walks through the little like witness stand kind of thing or the, 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 the attorney stand. And the judge is like, could you please not make cat doors like in the middle <laughs> of trial? Um, also, like this is a hist- I mean. This is, we're still in history, but this is a historical building. Like you can't just make cat doors. Yeah. This is terrible. You, you need a permit for that. It has to go through a whole process with the building uh, historical building society. But now we've got a cat in the in the court, so that's good. It's such a great dramatic reveal, though. It's like you can't create a people. Look, I just created one. Oh, look, here's a cat. <laughs> it's like, well, don't don't please don't do that. Um, but he goes, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Really, how do you prove it was created that night? And of course we can prove that because we have a stack of photos that was taken from the the red-handed recorder. So, in fact, if you look at 1 a.m., there is no peephole into that door. And at 1.30, there is. And do you remember last last week I told you that I noticed another difference? Yeah. So I, I, did, I did notice that, like, the first time the photos were presented. Yeah, I, I went back when you said something and I'm like, oh, man, was, was there another difference? And I saw it then. I'm like, oh, crap wasn't there before. So it made this entire part very frustrating because I knew exactly what happened, but it took a long time to get uh, for, for, the, for the game mm-hmm. to get there. So weird in an Ace Attorney game. No, yeah. um, no, to be honest, like I didn't. I was using a non-spoiler walkthrough, you know? Um, so I, But I was kind of like, how the fuck can the cat, cat flap a matic fit into this? And, <laughs> you know, so that's how, though. See, I figured it right as soon as I saw the cat flap magnet, I was like, oh, of course. Like they, they, <laughs> right away, I was just like, "Oh, she must have made a hole in the door." You know, there was no peephole, <laughs> and also it brings up a thing that we we had raised earlier was in the course of this trial or during the examination, even when we were like, "Well, yeah, there's this room that was locked, but there's this giant hole that you could pass, like, like that could fit a gun through, which it could because yeah. it can fit a cat through." Like that's been a flaw in the prosecution the whole time. Rosella, when when we when when we talked about this a couple of patterns ago, you said that it, it looked like, exactly like the um, the catamatic door. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there you go. I, I knew it was huge because like it, when they show you, it's like there's that one scene when I think you know when we get the um, the cut scene where they reveal that Gene is in there, passed out with the gun, and that the um, uh, the pawnbroker's been shot, and that like. It's just animated, like the drawing is right there. It's just it's just a big old square hole that you could easily <laughs> fit a cat through. <laughs> this defeats Grayson. It also implicates Suzato that she um tampered at the crime scene, but like I correct me if I'm wrong here, but the implication is not that she's like, I'm gonna tamper at the crime scene. It's more like I gotta be able to see inside this locked door. Yeah, she doesn't know there's a crime scene until the, until she puts a hole in the door and sees that somebody's dead. That's true. What happened that they, they they went into the the pawn shop. They someone shot at Sholmes. Uh, Naruhodo yeah. went out to look for the shooters, and she was left there with Sholmes like bleeding, bleeding out and and worrying. Uh, and she noticed the door was locked, so she made the the the, the people to see what what happened. Yeah, she didn't yeah. know it was a crime scene yet. She she wanted to help more than anything. And even if she, I mean, even if she had though, she's like, it's not like she's doing it to cover up a crime. She's doing it to see what the hell's going on. You know what I yeah, mean? M- like, maybe she can help someone. Maybe someone's bleeding out and she can call for like, help. Yeah. yeah. Like if you kick down a door to like save someone who escaped, it's not like, what are you doing, Tamper with that crime scene, <laughs> jerk? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, that's not how this works. Make sure they die. You can't save their life. You have to make sure they die because you didn't want tamper with a crime scene. 
Yeah. By preventing a crime, you have actually um, so <laughs> like yeah, like a, like somebody's like on the sidewalk dying, and you're like, somebody call a doctor. No, don't let him tamper with the crime scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Van Zeeks, okay, so Van Zeeks is like, this doesn't prove Graydon's the killer, but then we point out, well, how could, how did Graydon know there was a peephole then? Yeah, like, he, he was clearly lying, but not only was he lying, but he was, like, he, he was lying about information that he absolutely should not have. And this, this bothered me when he said it. Yeah, he knew both about the peephole and about the blood on, on the coat. Yeah. Yeah, and at this point, Gregson's like, I gotta go. And um, <laughs> we're like, no, no, no. We then we accuse and this is I was I was like kind of stunned here because I didn't really know where they were going with this but yeah we accuse Gregson of telling Graydon about um, the peephole and the blood in exchange for the music box discs and Van Zeeks is like if this is true Gregson should have the second disc right now and we should search him and we're like yes and Gregson's like okay search me and Judge and Zeke's are like wait a second here. Just so you know, you are accusing a member of Scotland Yard of, of criminal conspiracy, more or less. You know, I don't think they use those exact terms, but like this is going to be dire for you if you're wrong. Yeah, basically, if you're wrong about this, like you are basically kicked out of the country. Like <laughs> you are no longer welcome here. Yeah, this is going to be a yeah huge international incident. And we're like, are you sure you want to search him? By the way, they, they, they don't point this out, but... The, the reason that uh, Gregson knew about the blood on the coat was because that scene where he was in the prison cell right after we found mm-hmm. the blood. Do you remember that? <gasps> oh, yeah. He was just lurking. Yeah. That, that, that's how he knew there was actually blood on the, on the coat. Yep. Rude. But with this time, this time when we're pressing, we go, you know what? Don't search Gregson. Search Nash Skulkin. And Nash is like, what? Uh, okay. And sure enough, he has the disc. And we realize Gregson slipped it into his pocket when he was like kind of arguing with him earlier. Yeah. That, that really odd argument where he was like shaking him for no reason we could understand. Yeah, and, and we point out that like Gregson is always very, very calm. And that, and that was the only time that he like lost his temper at anything. Yeah, it was very odd. So, so Gregson's Graydon still denies that they made any sort of deal, and Gregson kind of dances around it. But the jury still believes Gregson because he's a member of Scotland Yard, and you know he's like, you know, he says, "Oh no, you know what?" He dances around it, but he says something like, "Let my actions show that I was acting in the best interest of England." Like, totally, like, yeah, I did it, but for good reasons. But I'm not saying that that you know yeah, everything everything I did was for the pursuit of justice or something. Yeah. Yeah, and the jury buys it, which I'm like, oh, come on. And um, so we get one more shot for evidence. So this time we get to accuse Gregson again and present the music box. And we ask to listen to both discs at the same time, to which Gregson ejects. And this is awesome because we really let him have it. And basically... Uh, it's like either you either you admit that you deal dealt did this deal with Graydon or I'm playing the discs right now in court. And then I quoted this because I really fucking liked it because this is Naruhodo stepping and says, let's not forget, Inspector, that you, a Scotland Yard officer, leaked confidential details to a witness that you continue to lie to the court. And because by all by fair means or foul, you're determined to do your duty. Well, by fair means of foul, I'm prepared to do mine, which was like that. Fuck. Yeah. Like total yeah. moment. I'm I was so into this. Um, so so he's still not into it. So we start playing both discs. And sure enough, it's Morse code. And Gregson's like, all right, all right. Just stop playing. And I'll, I'll admit it. 
all right, I told Graydon about the people and the bloodstains, and Graydon breaks his cane on the stand and calls Gregson a traitor and starts strangling him. This is awesome! <laughs> um, yeah. It was fantastic. Like, the, the, the whole dramatic build-up to this, and it's been coming for so long, especially because, like you said, Naruto is, is so, like, now he's, like, he's feeling it, and he's just, like, he's just moving the pieces around the chessboard wherever he wants, and he's just like, ah, I know exactly what's happening here, and don't you tell me I don't. Yeah, Van Zeeks in the in the uh, in the meantime also has of course poured himself a glass of wine and just appears to be just enjoying it for for once. He even uh, he even toasts to Narahodos, you know, by, to uncovering the truth by by fair means or foul, and yeah. just he's just having a nice time. <laughs> I think you also um, implies at some point Van Zeeks that Gregson is probably working under orders from um, Braveheart. Braveheart, isn't it? Oh yeah, uh huh. A strong heart. Or just strong heart. Male, 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 heart. Male, 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 strong, male strong heart. Yeah. Strong heart, yeah, not brave heart. Right. Same difference. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it sounds like they don't, like, he doesn't like strong heart very much, Van Zeeks. Yeah. Yeah, Van Zeeks is, like, he wants, he has his persona of pursuing the truth of the trial no matter what happens, even if they're, you know, the, the, even if the trial doesn't go his way, he wants the the true victim, uh, the true uh, perpetrator to suffer. And he doesn't stand for any of this governmental involvement in this kind of stuff because it only would obscure the actual truth of the case. So he's full. Of, he just he has no time for that governmental bullshit or politics. Right. Good stuff. Um, so. Uh, let's see here. So basically, Graydon Graydon's out of out of options here. So this is where we get the sort of like. The Phoenix Wright, like the culprit, like gives up and tells his sad story. It actually is pretty sad, in my opinion. But um, they were pretty poor, the the Gradens, you know. And I think um, the mother, the mother left. I think right is that what happened, Milverton? Yeah, the the the, the mother was Graydon, but yeah. So the Milvertons, the Milvertons are poor, and she's like, "Screw this! I'm out. I'm taking my maiden name, and I am I'm leaving to right go off screen somewhere." Yeah. And the father is like kind of like honest, but poor and all that stuff. And Graydon's like, I don't I don't want to like grow up like that. So I'm going to study hard and be a telegraph operator and sell secrets. Um, but basically, he, he kind of realizes, uh, you know, that he can make a lot of money um, with this little like uh, with, you know, the information he has, like doing it in the communications officer. And he devises this whole scheme. I think he said he said that McGill McGill that approached him. It wasn't like his idea. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, he studied to be... That's right. The fear of returning to the slum is what has him make the deal with uh, McGill that he said. Yeah, you know? like, it's really sad, because, like, he, he makes fine money as a communications officer. He can live comfortably, but he's just so terrified of, of being, you know, of living in poverty that he's like, but I need to have infinity money instead. Yeah. I can't lose this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that he's... this The scheme with the two discs... Uh, you know, it's really it's a way to deal with McGilded and ensure that it's dealt fairly because, you know, you can always sort of give him the one disc and then get payment and give him the second disc. Um, and that his father is the one that he relies on to make to, to actually make the discs is, you know, this is a skilled yeah. laborer who can do stuff like that. Right. So the father kind of realizes something is up, you know, because he like gives him like 10 guineas or whatever. And then more, or 200 guineas out of the thousand McGilded pays him, you know, mm-hmm. would you realize that's a lot of money for this? So. He wants to make the deal with Mayilded. Also, the music is obviously crap, so... Right, yeah, exactly. Right, right. So, um... <laughs> so, uh... You know, one note, my boy, you're, <laughs> you've lost your marbles. Um, so... 
you know, um, the father realizes something wrong, so he wants to make the deal on the on the bus. Graydon doesn't know exactly what happened, but it's obvious that McGill did killed his father. So Graydon sought, seeks revenge and paid off like some of the officers in court to burn McGilded alive in the omnibus, which I did not expect. Um, <laughs> now, I'm still holding on to the fact that it's probably not McGilded in there, but like it definitely is not intended to be McGilded faking his own death. So who really knows, you know? So that was neat. Um, a neat little twist. Yeah, if it stays that way through the next game, I'm going to be sh- I, like, I am. I, I was surprised, and I'm going to be shocked because it really felt like they were telegraphing that that was a fake. You know, because it, you know, someone burns alive can't identify him at this time period, that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as this first game is concerned, he's the one who paid people to kill him right in front of a bunch of court officers. Right. So what what happens next, uh, folks? So. One of the things is, is Van Zeeks does point out that, like, uh, you know, Graydon essentially became the thing that he swore not to be. He, he essentially became the gilded of just paying people off to do his dirty work, which which sucks. But uh, that's that's your your tragic life. And not even rich is it? Yeah. You know, didn't even say. Like, but, um, you know, so we get the uh, we get the we finally get the not guilty verdict on Gina with the asterisk of, hey, but we we are going to have to, like, go convict you of, of the other crimes that you did, like the, the breaking and entering and the perjury. Those are... Yeah. Right. You still get confetti, but... Yeah, so... <laughs> the not guilty in big letters, but, like, guilty in small letters. She's not, she's not guilty of murder, but she is guilty of some other stuff. <laughs> this trial, you're not guilty. We're not saying that that's just going to be that, though. Not you know? guilty, dot, dot, dot. Hmm. And then uh, juror number five, our, our, you know, our Morse code enthusiast is like, hey, just now that, you know, now that the trial is over, we voted not guilty on anything. Um, just just so you know, like that that wasn't Morse code like that. that It was gibberish. Like, yes, it was two different tones. It sounded like Morse code, but it wasn't letters or numbers or it. It, it wasn't information. The problem is, she said that wasn't Morse code. Stop, and they're like, oh, "Okay, we'll stop asking." All right, anyway, so no, it, does, it does make sense, though. I mean, it would, it would probably would be be encoded. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you'd look at like a, a coded like letter and just be like, "Well, that's writing, but it's not." You know, you can't communicate that way. It's like, it's yeah, not well, it's not. It's not real yeah. Morse code, but yeah, it's technically just a code using Morse code. If you wanted to be nitpicky, too, I guess you could also kind of say, like, Graydon still has one last gambit to play then, which is like, no, 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 like, play it, encode it. It's nothing. You know what I mean? But, like, <laughs> anyway, so. But regardless, we're not guilty. Everything's fine. Um, and then we get this just incredibly intense scene. Everyone's gone. Uh, like, we we entirely lose the rest of the court, and it's just Narahoto and Van Zeke's uh, like he, he pours another glass of wine and they just kind of talk about uh, like Von Zeke basically just talks about how much he admires Naruhoto. And he's like, you know, you you just you read people really well, even though you're you're Japanese, which is ugh. I don't know. He still has this whole thing where he's, he's like, no, he's I've, I've been burned before. Like <laughs> it is it is the most it is the most sexual tension that has been in this entire game. It is it is heavy. Right. Yeah, but he, he refers to like a Japanese person he used to know who he trusted and then was betrayed, which is the reason why he thinks all Japanese are like that. And then he just refuses to elaborate. Yeah. 
Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't go into detail, but but he wanted to you know to 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 try to figure out why he was burned by this person. He wanted he wanted to learn that you know through Naruto, and it's like oh okay. And it, but when he says that, it's almost like yeah, I, I used to be in this relationship, and I was hurt so bad, and yeah. I'm trying to relive it through you. <laughs> And yeah, he, he does he does flat out admit like yeah no the, the the reason that I have been taking these cases is because you're the lawyer on them like that's that's yeah. the only reason. Yeah. Well, the, the other two, I, I presumably the first one with McGill that he actually took because he wanted to. He didn't know yeah. that we right. were going to be any. Mm-hmm. But then once 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 our eyes met in the, <laughs> yes. the the battlefield of court, he just couldn't get his mind off of us. And... Oh my! Or Maelstrom's like setting him up. <laughs> like in really like you know kind of pseudo racist way like I I know you know Van Zeke's no, right, anyway so um uh you know oh he, he says something too right he's like um he, he doesn't want to tell you when that happened but he's warning you that one day you'll know the answer whether you like it or not yeah kind of thing Whew. so and it feels very much um like he's referring to the same kind of thing that has been referenced before like this when we talked to maelstrom and this other stuff and like when the other thing that was was supposed to be involved in in this trip you know that there was something else going on yeah and it seems like he's referring to that as well yeah whatever whatever kazuma needed to do while he was in england this it feels related even though it's not explicitly stated to be yeah Mm -hmm. um so what happens i'm being a little disingenuous because to be honest i didn't told i thought i was near the end you know but i still had some more to go and then i have this other strategy guy that jim gave me that kind of like reveals everything in the plot so if somebody else wants to use their real deal notes uh <laughs> that's totally fine by me <laughs> okay so yeah we, we get out and we we you know uh debrief with gina and just talk about it. it's like yeah you're, you're going to jail but everything's fine and it's all good um and then uh shom's is is standing in the back disguised as a bailiff and is like you didn't notice that i was standing here you're so you're so silly i am about to pass out anyway <laughs> uh like and i was like why why is he even here yeah clearly he's not healed <laughs> like no he is he is not well then we find out that that uh, the seas are choppy and that uh that you could if we rush we can we can go say goodbye to Sasa. Yeah, we, we, have, we have to take a train because it's not in London, obviously. London is not near the sea. But we can reach Susado before she has to leave. And, and Sholmes has, has, you know, gotten for us an express train that he got by blackmailing someone. And so uh, it'll be fine. No, and that's, he, uh, that's how he mentioned he got out of the hospital in the first place. He's like, yeah, I just knew certain secrets of the doctor. And when I, impl- and I you know, said that they might come to light, he let me go. And then, yeah, here he's like, it's like, yeah, but how are we going to get, you know, all the way to the coast before her her boat leaves? And it's like, well, I know some certain secrets for the this train operator, and I let him know that they might, you know, come to light unless he lets us go. It's like, Sholmes, you need to chill out. <laughs> Stop blackmailing people. No, we'll find another way. <laughs> like, we named the wrong character Milverton, it seems. <laughs> um, but regardless, we, we do... Um, uh, we, we, we say goodbye to Gina and it's very cute. Um, and we, we take the train out to, um, to Dover and we find Suzato. Yeah. We get there like at 6am. Uh, yeah. Very early. And she's like, a, she's reading a book on a pier 
And then, like, as we're watching, she, like, rears back to, like, throw it into the sea. We're like, hey, 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 what? Um, and, you know, we tell her that the trial went well, that Gina got acquitted. And she's like, that's great. I'm the worst uh, attorney's assistant in the entire world. And we're like, no, you're not. Because apparently what she was about to throw out was the Encyclopedia of British Law. Mm. So, like, we're like, hey, you're you're good. The the stuff that you gave us helped us solve the case. You're great. Also, like we talked about, come on, that's not really a crime. You're just trying to see if your friend is okay. <laughs> yeah, but it, though it turns out the reason that she didn't tell us that she did it uh, was because she thought um, she had doubts ab- about the uh, British court system, and she thought maybe someone would try to um, make uh perjury again so she let out a trap mm-hmm. so she didn't tell us about the, the people because she thought maybe someone is going to try to use that to prove something and then we'll have a weapon against them and she didn't tell us because if she told us then we would be implicated and it would be our fault for like tampering with the crime scene or whatever yeah and and that's her actual crime that she did something and didn't tell anyone about it including the police mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's why we arrest her and that's trials <laughs> no, but um <laughs> But so while we're, we're having this nice conversation with Suzato, um, Iris is off and she's like, ah, so gee, that's not a word. And we're all like, sorry, what? what? What did you just say? And she's like, yeah, no, I've just been I've just been, you know, trying with some other uh, like, you know, assuming it's encoded. Right. I'm just, tr- just trying some ciphers from what I wrote down when it played during. <laughs> when you play that little bit, that little bit, I remembered. I, I just remembered it. I thought she wrote it down. Yeah, maybe she wrote it down. But regardless. Either way, she, either way just uh, on this random thing that played in the courtroom, she's already decoding it. Right. And, and she's like, yeah, no, I just decided to, to, to check it out with like Japanese Morse code. I, I think is, is, you know, what how she interpreted it. But like Asogi, that, that doesn't mean anything. She points out the re- a real thing that like different languages have different Morse codes because they need different symbols. And there, yeah. is, there is a Japanese Morse code. And, and yeah, so she tried do, doing that and she came up with Asugi, which she thought was nonsense. But of course, we know otherwise. And then Susato, who does know Japanese Morse code, takes the entire thing and figures out what it says. And it's just a little segment of the entire disc because they didn't play everything. But it's a list of four names. Um, the first one is K Asugi, which is Kazuma Asugi. And then there's an a Shin, which I don't think we know anything about. Yeah, we we don't know who that is. Uh, there's a Tig uh, Gregson, which we do know. Gregson, it she it says out all in like in Kana, and then it's like, oh yeah, Gregson. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then the final one is uh, Jay Wilson. Yep. Who Iris is very surprised to uh, hear that name. Yeah, and she like she freaks out, and then she's like. I mean, no, like there, there must be like Wilson's a very common last name. Jay's a very common first initial. I'm sure there's absolutely no relation. My dad's not involved in this and he's fine. And like, you know, we, we look at Cesado, we're like, uh, I still don't want to say anything to you. No, it's like, yeah, we are okay. still not going to tell her. <laughs> nope. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, talk about like crime. I mean, you know, uh, a little rude. <laughs> 
Why are you guys looking at each other? I was thinking of the flat caplomatic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually said flat capomatic, which is a totally different device, but you know, it can work. Hey, hey, I got a flap that makes cats. <laughs> I need a flat cap fast. Hold on, friend. <laughs> and yeah, the, the right after the names, it says like that is all for. Yeah, and then we we don't know what the rest of the message is, so we don't know like. You know, like that is all for people involved in the crime to overthrow the state. I, we don't know. We don't know yeah. what the end of that sentence is. Uh, all four targets for assassination. There's all four people I want to kiss that side Van Zeeks. Anyway, <laughs> um. this is this could also be another Holmes thing, though, because just from knowing things, there is a, a home story called the sign of the four, Ooh. which is like this pact that four guys make about treasure that you know sort of come like that is revealed later on that these were the four you know when 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 people start dying that these were the four people who all swore to secrecy together so i don't, I don't know if that exact plot line's going to come along but it certainly is an allusion to that kind of thing of like four people who were involved in something in the past and it's this big secret well at the very least we know that that two of them are dead and one of them is gregson which would be wild i think if he were to die at this point so it's it's interesting I was really, really shocked that he was working with Graydon, even like even though it like kind of ended up being not quite like working with him, working with him. But you know what I mean? Like during this trial, I was he was like following orders from the government. That's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did like try to frame an innocent girl of murder by doing that. Yeah. Yep. Kind of rude. What a jerk. I was thinking, honestly, that it would turn out Graydon was actually like a spy for the British government and you're kind of like sort of like undoing this operation going on of some kind you know what i mean but like no <laughs> no i was starting to think that though maybe that's why like gregson and Graydon were like suddenly talking together like that you know do you have any theories about the uh, one name that we don't recognize asian you mean none <laughs> i mean that okay that could be that could be the person that um that von zeke's you know, feels feels betrayed by because he was betrayed by by a Japanese man. Uh, so that's that's the only that's the only plot hook that is empty that could hook into to that name. So the um, the Japanese name of this yet unknown character is different. I can tell you what the last name is in Japanese. Um, I don't know if that's going to help you or not. Um, Hit me. Do, do you want to? Do you want me to? <laughs> I do. Sure. I mean, if, yeah, if it's part of the actual first game, yeah, why not? So in uh, Japanese, it's still the, the initial is A, but the last name is uh, Sasha. Okay. Yep, that means nothing to me. Yep. Yeah, no. So. But now we know. But Sa- Sasha is, is much less Japanese name than Shin. That is true, yeah. Yeah, it could be, you know, like Eastern European or something. So, um... So is that it? Well, we get... Yeah, we get an anime cutscene. It's such a good looking anime cutscene too. It's so it's so fun when when um Sasato is taking off on the on the steamer ship. Um and it's just it's got like it's got that like pre-dawn kind of light and it's just you know it's a very sweet sort of ending thing. And uh Sholmes is playing his violin in the background like <laughs> Yep. Waga highs there. So we get we get like a cat we get a cat running animation. That's good. Yeah. Always good. But yeah, Sasato is on her way back to Japan. She, she does live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we get the uh, the credit scenes, which are yeah. they're so much like they're they're a lot of fun. Before the credit scene, we have like a little bit of um, 
final thing. Um, oh, right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to face charges. <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't take long. Sean, Sean tells us that, yeah, that the, um, the train company is going to sue him because uh, he tried to blackmail them to get us to this yeah. point. <laughs> so he blamed... And that, that express train, like, ruined, just completely ruined the schedule of all of the trains in the entire country. Like, we, we absolutely, we're, we're in trouble. And he blamed us for it. Yeah, so shout out to blame Naruda for it, and that's where we get this. Yeah, he's like, I explained everything, and it was all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we get this thing that we always get in the at the end of Face Attorney Games, where Naruda goes, "Well, there's one word I have, to, I want to say to you," and then you press the button, it's objection, and then we get to, to go to the credits. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And then what, what he says? Something, uh, what, no, Iris tells you, "Don't worry, you, uh, it's the thing you're best at, defending yourself in court." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you love you love defending yourself in court. Yeah. Who who wouldn't? Who wouldn't like a nice defend yourself in court? And then we have, we get like a, the traditional isotonic credits where we get like like epilogues for yeah. for all the characters. Yeah. Um all the music boxes arrived for for Shelms. He didn't remember that he ordered them though. So he just arrived <laughs> and didn't know what why. Yeah, so the whole apartment sold music boxes. So I've I've decided to sell them and say like, no, you like used by by Schultz to solve a very important case, and he's just making bank apparently. So good for him. Good job, Rance Magazine. <laughs> uh, Iris is busy working on a manuscript, and she's stressed out because deadlines or whatever. Um, who else do we get? We get everyone. Uh, Hasunaga. Who uh, who decided to stay on the boat, and then he caught a extremely suspicious Japanese national on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's a seki, and uh, apparently Wakahai had kids or kittens, and uh, and he snuck them in on board in his pockets, and uh, and of <laughs> course he's in trouble for putting pets on the ship and starts yep, doing like the full tears, like the the poor like the, the emoji style for and like the anime style full tears just pouring down his face. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get Gina, who is in jail, but she's not bored because Iris comes to visit every day. Aww. Um, and Iris tells her all about uh, Sean's investigation. Gina thinks that's interesting, and maybe solving crimes is a thing she could do in the future. Sure. Uh, we also get the the Garadeb because uh, because Joan is in jail, uh, but apparently you know John visits her, also visits her every day, and they're you know they're they're doing well. Maybe they do better when she's behind bars, actually, because she can't physically assault him as much anymore. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm happy 19th century British jail is a lot better than I was led to believe. So, you know, that's good. <laughs> we get the bits who are still in love with each other, which is, so that's good. Oh. Are they in jail? They're no, not in they, jail. they are not in jail. Okay. <laughs> um, though, yeah, the, the Skulkin brothers and, um, uh, Graydon appear to be in jail together and this is the first time I noticed that like Graydon does a lot of poses. I actually don't think we, we mentioned that the Skulkins do a lot of posing. They do. Uh, and they, they kept trying to like get Gregson to do it with them. They're like no you're you're the third brother and he's like I'm not I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, but like when they all do the pose together and it's clear that like uh, Graydon's pose is just kind of like a sideways version of their pose. It's really cute. They're adorable. Yeah. They're basically like his backup dancers. 
and it's mm-hmm. it's just so awesome when they do it all together and they're they're like they're reforming the band as it were like they're gonna go back to i guess when, when eventually he gets out of prison for murder they're gonna yes. you know go back and take on the neighborhood with their milk scheme if he's not executed for treason yeah, exactly yes um <laughs> and then we uh we end on a really cute picture of uh like all of suzato uh Narahodo, iris Sholmes and Wagahai like posing in front of of 221B and Sholmes is doing the most bisexual lean I have ever seen in my life like <laughs> really on to Naruhodo. And Naruhodo's like clap like clasping his upper arm and and, and pulling it into his cheek. And they're like like Wagahai's like jumping onto the hat or something and like he doesn't like you know um Iris and Sosoto are like standing back normal and the two of them are just all over each other. Yeah, no it's it's very cute. Um, but yeah, the cat is like playing with the with Naruhodo's hat, I guess. Like, Naruhodo looks like he's wearing Gina's hat for some reason. Wagahai's playing with it. It's very cute. Uh, and then and that, that finishes our like epilogue credits and we move on to the credits proper. Which are very. I, I thought they were very nicely done. The, yeah. the long credits run. So, what, what you get is. Um, well, in, 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 in English, it's not actually a credits roll. It's like the credits just appear on the screen. But you get um, Naruhodo walking from right to left, basically. With Kazuma, until you get to the... Like, past the, all the characters that are involved. Yeah, basically, it's it's essentially showing every... Like, every NPC is essentially just standing there, and we're, we're passing them by. And so it shows all the NPCs from the first game. You know, the, the Giselle Brit that we never saw again. Um, and then, you know, the, all the, the ship's officers, yeah, from, from the second case. And then when, when, when we get there, then Kazuma stops and Naruhodo goes on by his own. Kazuma stops and turns to the camera like an NPC because that's where his story ends. Yeah. Aww. I, oh God, that was, it was an effective moment. I was not expecting effective emotional resonance in, um, in the credits. But then after that, Susato joins Naruhodo in walking across the yep. street. Mm-hmm. Across the, the scene. They, they briefly fall off screen so that uh, we can put uh, Kazuma's sword onto Naruhodo's model so we can switch out the models. And then they uh, they keep moving forward. And and we, we go to the NPCs for the second and third case. And then Sholmes joins them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get the NPCs for the fourth case. And Iris joins them. Um, and then the fifth case, and then they stop at the end at the Capcom logo. Yeah, the four of them. So yeah, Sasato doesn't like drop off early. So you just the four of them go to Capcom <laughs> and do like a salute. <laughs> yeah, uh, in Japanese, of course, um, the credits are written like e- uh, in vertical script, which runs from right to left. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's an actual credit scroll. So they're actually walking. The, the, the reason why they're walking from right to left is because they're walking along with the credits as they're scrolling. Oh yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, and it's it's a very like classical look, and it's it's very nicely done. Uh, if you can look it yeah, up, yeah, like it looks like banners hanging down. It's really gorgeous. Yeah, uh, and and at the end, which was another very nice touch, is that most people don't know that, but uh, Capcom has uh, a second logo that they don't use very much. They have the, the, the regular logo that we all know. But then usually on the back of, of game boxes, 
Um, they have a, a logo in katakana. Um, that's written kind of like in old-timey katakana font. And in the Japanese version, they, they use that, um, that logo at the end here, which is very appropriate and it looks very nice. Aww. Uh, in English, they, of course, use the, the regular Capcom logo. It just fits very well with the entire atmosphere, the, the katakana logo that Capcom has. Yeah, if, if you can look that up on a YouTube video, then definitely do, because the entire ending sequence is, just looks gorgeous in Japanese, even more than in English. Oh, sure. So, and that is it for uh, for this game. Yeah, that's that's the great Ace Attorney colon adventures. Well, shit. Yeah, and, and maybe we should talk about this, because when this game was first released in Japan... They didn't announce that a second game was even coming until like a year later. <laughs> I mean, they, you gotta... F- I, well. Yeah, I mean, they they certainly wrote it as if they knew they were getting a sequel. Yeah, So, but what happened was that they immediately did say that... Th- th- this was initially supposed to be one game, one long game. Um, mm-hmm. And it had a troubled production. Um, like a lot of Shutakumi's game seems to have. Um... I don't know if, if you know that, but uh, Ace Attorney 4, which was the last like mainstream Ace Attorney game that he wrote. Apollo Justice. Yeah, Apollo Justice. Um, I, I'm going, the, the, the Japanese titles are all just Gekten Saibon in a number. They don't have subtitles, they don't have anything. They're all Gekten Saibon 1 through 6. That's what they're called. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, so 4 was, um, basically he was forced by Capcom to put... Phoenix Wright in it. He didn't want to. He wanted to to be just about this new character. Man, what a what a like monkey's paw curse that Capcom got. It's like, all right, I'll put him in the game as like a washed up schlub who was disbarred for like, <laughs> uh, you know, doing illegal things. Anyway, I, I apologize. This is great. I love it. Yeah, but uh, I also kind of like it. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people think that's the low point of the series. And that's those uh, people are cowards. Yeah, that's that's also why I think he stopped um, doing the mainstream Ace Attorney games because of that experience. That he just got like executives meddling with with his writing, which I think is really sad because I thought Apollo Justice had a lot of interesting ideas that I, I just think people weren't, they just weren't, they did, didn't, they didn't want to see a game without Phoenix Wright as the main character, and I think that just the change innately changes bad mindset. Uh, brought Apollo Justice down a lot because I I thought it was I thought it was really good I liked it a lot but that that is me I liked it better than three because I'm I'm the I'm the person I'm the weirdo who didn't like three but whatever <laughs> I like three um, and then Ace 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 Attorney versus Professor Layton uh, also uh, had a troubled production. Um, that took like twice as long as it was supposed to and like Shu Takumi was never even supposed to be part of it. Yeah, he had a lot of conflicts with level five, and um, he know from there about what the story should be. Um, and it's 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 a neat game, but it is very very. I, I don't know. The story is just goes everywhere. Um, I mean, the story is very much a Professor Layton story. I think that it it's clear that the the trial segments, like the, the micro stories of the trial segments feel very Ace Attorney, but the macro story of the entire game is very Professor Layton, which is fine. Anyway, for this game, 
for this game, they pretty much immediately in interviews said that they had a much longer story in mind, but they basically ran out of budget. They, they were, uh, were over budget by a lot. So they decided to like cut a lot of it and change some stuff, like move things around. So they have some kind of like satisfying conclusion. Um, but they didn't know if they were going to get greenlit for the sequel when this game came out. Oof. So it, depended, it, it depended on sales. And then it took like a year for them to announce that the second game was actually coming. Um, now, when you play the second game, you realize very quickly that, yes, a lo- a lo- much of the second game obviously was written at the time that the first game was. There are too many things that like the, the first game has foreshadowing mm-hmm. that are directly addressed in the second game in ways that you, you couldn't just like make it up later. I mean, like we we have entire characters, like we the the Shakespearean guy and, exactly. and his Popeye chin friend, like that we just saw briefly, yep. and then uh, then just never came up again. Like they they weren't witnesses, they weren't anything. So like, why would you have done that? Entire like mo- modeled characters that appear for one scene, and that's it. Yeah, like why would you waste the budget on that? And that causes so much in this game that's not resolved. Yeah. You have strong heart, strong heart is set up like to be like kind of a final boss character, and yeah. you basically see him twice, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get the entire um, Giselle Brett character who's set up to be something. Yeah, yeah, that's never resolved. Oh, absolutely, just all of co- everything Kazuma cared about. Yeah, whether or not Magilda's alive. I, I I do think that the one thing that did change it was probably this like fifth chapter that we had, we had here. That was probably supposed to happen much later in the story. Yeah. They're absolutely, yeah. And they moved it back to like big, to have some kind of like satisfying conclusion to the first game. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I would say that probably if this game just ended right here and there was never a second one i would say it's not a satisfying conclusion because there's too like right. it's too heavily hinted no it, it's absolutely not it, it's a satisfying rest point and when when we play the second half then the second part of this game resolves everything there is not one plot point that is left unresolved so Ooh. it's a bold claim yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be checking you on that no it's an actual conclusion and it's very much like a direct follow-up to this one it's like not it's it's when we when you play both of them they are really just one long game and not two so the one thing now i'm interested in and i don't really want an answer on is like is the pacing messed up by making this chase five happen quote unquote early i i don't think so I think they probably ended up with a much longer story than they, than he initially thought it would be because they had to. I I I think as much as they cut from the first game, they probably didn't cut like an entire game length part of it. So they probably had to write a, a bunch of new stuff for the second one that they didn't initially plan for. So is there going to be a lot of annoying? You remember, right? <laughs> the guy was like, oh, tell me about him briefly again, just to refresh my memory. Like, but, you know, um, I'm a special character inv- invented for the second game. That's Mr. Exposition Dump. Y'all ready to listen to my stories? <laughs> Gina Lestrade, what happened to her? Like, <laughs> I'll tell you. Or no, maybe that's like Suzato comes back. Like, I had to fill you in on everything you might have forgotten about. It's been like, oh, that would make sense. <laughs> I think the second game is better than the first one. 
Um, I like it much more. I think it does a lot of neat things that you don't often see in Ace Attorney games. I mean, this, this game also does that with yeah. the third case and, and even this one, even the fifth one. I, I feel, I don't know if, if now is an appropriate time to give some like overarching uh, impressions since we're sort, of, we're sort of done with a game, but we're sort of halfway through a game. But I'm going to give an overarching impression anyway, which is just that this game has been, has I think just had a, a much higher quality of writing than a lot of the other Ace Attorney games. Like, there's just yeah. so much more character to it. So much more, uh, so many more callbacks, so many more things where, where you're like, oh, this logic is kind of dumb, but whatever, it's a video game. And then the video game goes, hey, that logic is kind of dumb. Yeah. Like, you can't, yeah. you can't just do that. Um, And it just, it just, it makes the entire game feel a lot more like grounded and that I feel like it makes it easier for you to care because you're not constantly having to like wave off a bunch of like dumb video game bullshit. Right. Outside of the cataflapomatic, but yeah. <laughs> eh, I mean, they, they they go into pretty pretty uh detail about how the cataflapomatic works, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some very sharp blades you can look at in court. And they even like like and obviously when they introduce a cat flapmatic, they're like, this is a dumb device. But you know, hey, you know, sometimes <laughs> people invite dumb device invent dumb devices. Yeah. No, it's it's exactly stuff like that. Mm-hmm. No, it's it is fun. It is neat too, because it uses those things that you would normally gloss over or call ludonarrative dissonance in terms like you know what I mean? Like things like well, you wouldn't just accept like Sherlock Holmes's like secret invention. They're like, no, we're not just going to accept a secret invention. It's like, yeah, I'm with Van Zeeks on that one. <laughs> right? You know, so also like a, a a mark of the high quality of the writing is that it's using you know some someone else's source material and it's criticizing it, but it never feels like it's in bad faith, and it never feels yeah. like it doesn't yeah. have a, an affection for the source material. Like it always feels like, like, hey, like we we like this stuff. We're Holmes fans, and we're gonna have some fun with this. And we're also gonna point out some logical inconsistencies that are really <laughs> obvious if you read this stuff over and over again, like any fan would. Um, but also, like we're all, and we're gonna like use that as a plot point and as a launching off point to what we're gonna do, which is in you know all in good faith and all in good fun, and it, that whole sort of attitude permeates through the reading of this. I should also mention too, it's a very unique interpretation of Holmes. Which I think we might have talked about, like just in terms of like a lot of modern ones, I feel are really similar, you know, or even when you talk about like not some like young Sherlock Holmes and obviously House MD and the new Sherlock series, which I actually haven't watched, you know, but like it's usually like sometimes he's edgy or they go into his drug addiction or he's like very smart and everything. But this is like a very silly kind of Sherlock Holmes. He's really likable in like a fun way, you know. Yeah, and he clearly likes people too. Like usually when they when they do the Sherlock Holmes thing, he's you know he's he's a he's a misanthrope and he just he's too too busy for anyone else. But here he's he's very just emotionally available. He's he just kind of acts like a puppy. Yeah, he's so dumb, but he's great. I love him. <laughs> um, there is uh, I don't know if I brought it up during our discussions here, but anyway, there's a 1980 something uh, movie called without a clue which is um basically the premise is that ben kingsley plays watson and he's actually the um the person who solves crime uh uh so and he conceives of holmes this idea this character of sherlock holmes as a way to uh to to um uh like bring to, to like be able to solve crimes and and 
publish these stories about the crimes that he's solving without, you know, sort of uh, his reputation being, you know, um, uh, being as a doctor being compromised. And the the whole like the, the basic idea of the whole movie is that, you know, um, you know, uh, you have to like, you know, when you have this fake Sherlock Holmes, it, um, uh, what do you call it? Michael Caine uh, just plays this is an actor hired to play Holmes who actually <laughs> like gets into it too, too much and they get involved with actual crimes together. And you have this incompetent actor Holmes and this, you know, genius uh, hiding behind the scenes. Watson, who also doesn't want to get too involved with this stuff. Um, and, and it really feels like that movie is also an inspiration here where they they take this Holmes character who's sort of dramatic and over the top and wrong all the time. Maybe he knows it and maybe he doesn't, but like that kind of like the while there's no like direct correlation to what's happening here, the uh, the attitude is very similar and the way that sort of like, you know, the way they have this this overly dramatic Holmes who uh you know sort of plays a role in this and like, you know, that kind of stuff uh I felt it a lot during this. And so I think there's probably a whole bunch of different um, you know, different Holmesian interpretations that they've they've tapped into here, and it feels like you know this is a movie made. This is a, a game made by fans of not just the source material, but other interpretations that have made over the years. I, ch- I want to check that out now. Yeah, that movie yeah, sounds great. Yeah, that sounds like a very good movie. But yeah, definitely, it, it should equal me is obviously a fan of the stories, the Holmes stories. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and this this continues in the second game. I can tell you and. It, it also does some neat things with the Holmes meters. Speaking of what, um, I mean, uh, I, I am curious. So, is I'm assuming that next up we're going to be on game two, case one, and that's we're going all the way through. Yeah, which is once again a tutorial case because it is a new game and they had to have sure. a tutorial case. Um, it's I, th- I think it's about as long as the. Tutorial case was for, for this game, which means it's, it's longer than your usual Saturn tutorial case. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still probably just one session. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can we can do it. It is also, I think, my favorite single chapter in any Saturn game. Whoa. So, okay. So I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm excited. Like, this game has been great so far, and you're 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 saying it's only going to get better, and I, I believe you. I'm in. This is, I think, maybe my second favorite Ace Attorney game so far, outside of the very first one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, cool, awesome. Well, unless there's anything else, I think, uh, I think the game is the game is still afoot. Mm-hmm. So, take it easy, everybody. <laughs>